Welcome to Global Outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to our podcast today. We're going to continue our study in the book of Ephesians from chapter 6 with the subject, children, parents, servants, and masters. So we're continuing our study in the book of Ephesians, and we're almost to the end of it. Wow. We've, yeah. we've just been digging and digging. There's so many treasures in the book of Ephesians, and I've just been thoroughly enjoying this. I guess it's because it's one of my favorite books of the Bible, uh-huh. because there's so much there's in it. There's just so much in it. And you just can't take it all in at one time. No. And, and the more you read it, the more you get. Yeah. That's so, true. you know, we could probably study this I, I think we probably will study this for all eternity and still keep finding new treasures because they've been hidden for us, not from us. So today we're going to talk about chapter six, where it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I think the amplified is good also. Uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord as his representatives, for this is just and right. How does it read in the Passion? Children, if you want to be wise, listen to your parents and do what they tell you, and the Lord will help you. That word obey, I looked it up, and it does have this, uh, it does have this idea of listening. And it's not just listening, but of course, it is also to listen to something, to hearken, to give heed. In other words, pay attention. Mm-hmm. Pay attention, obey, follow. And in terms of, uh, as a Christian, Obeying the Lord, it would be like uh, keeping the word in believing obedience. Isn't that beautiful? That's very good. Yeah. So, and, and then the word children here is not referring just only to minors, uh, you know, infants and, and toddlers and, you know, mm-hmm. school age kids and high school age. It's not just up to the age of 18 or 21. This word children in the Greek is the word technon. And it refers to the fact of birth. It can be figurative in like Paul was a father to the church. You know, he was a, he was a father in the church. He, so people were born again because of his evangelism. Yes. But it's, it's the fact of the birth. It has nothing to do with your age. Mm-hmm. It has to do with the relationship of the fact that you were born to someone. Yes. Okay. So it's about obeying, it's about listening, it's about paying attention to your parents in the Lord. Now, this could be your parents in the Lord, literally, when I say literally here, I mean I mean spiritually. Yes. As you've been born again, you, you might have a, a spiritual father, a spiritual mother that has really helped to grow you up in the things of God. So that person is in the Lord. Yes. You know... Our lives growing up as kids, you know, we think, well, the, all the discipline and this and that. You know, you don't understand these things until you're a parent, and then you have children of your own. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember when our daughter was born, and, and you said, I can see me and her, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I Mischievous did. look in her eye, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. And, and, what, and actually, when you 
trying to ch uh, train children so you won't make some of the stupid mistakes we made when when we were young. Mm -hmm. you know, and you only learn these things as you get older because uh, your life is like a boot camp, this whole earth. Mm -hmm. You're really in like a boot camp because you're always learning. Even, even when you're elderly, you are still learning and you can just chalk it up for for wisdom if you apply it right. Yeah, that's true. And and you know, going on in verse 2, it talks about honoring your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And the promise is that it may be well with you and that you may live long in the earth. Uh that's that's part of the 10 commandments. Uh you know, the big 10. It they, it's really really important that we honor our father and our mother, and and that word honor, it, it comes in the Hebrew, where where it's first spoken in the book of Exodus, chapter twenty, where the where the Ten Commandments are are given. It it's uh, the word kaved, which comes from the word kavad, hmm. which means weighty, weighty, yeah, to be weighty or to to um, to give value, to fix in value, and the the Greek word means to estimate or to fix the value of something, to revere, to venerate. So we have to recognize the value of our parents. I I don't know of anyone who had perfect parents. Mm -hmm. So we all have these issues where our parents have failed us in some way. Some have more issues than others. I love the song that Misty Edwards got yes. from the Lord. Yes. Uh, it's called All Men Are Broken. And you can mm -hmm. go out to YouTube and, and listen to that. But there's a few lines in it that are so powerful where our Heavenly Father is saying, I'm not like your father. Listen, listen. I'm not like your father. And then he, she goes on to sing from our father, all men are broken, and broken men break their children who grow up to be broken men. But I'm bigger than that. I'm bigger than that. And God is saying to us, don't let the breaking that your father or your mother might have done in you, any kind of abuse, don't let that change your opinion of our Heavenly Father. And I believe that was a spontaneous song yeah. that the Lord just gave her while she was in worship. Yeah. Because that's what the Holy Spirit wanted to deal with right, you know, at that particular time. Mm -hmm. And he wants to deal with that for all of us because all of us have had instances where our parents have failed us. And, and it, you know, it goes on in verse four talking about fathers. Don't provoke your children to wrath. In the King James, it says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In, in the uh, Amplified, it says, fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly and in the training and discipline and the counsel and admonition of the Lord. How does it read in the Passion? Fathers, don't exasperate your children, but raise them up with loving discipline and counsel that brings the revelation of our Lord. I mean, loving discipline. Right. I mean, I, I grew up, like, in, in fear of my dad, you know, that, that if he got angry and really mad, you know, I remember a few vivid times getting chased while he was taking his belt off and whipping me with it. I mean, that's how I was raised. And my grandfather, his father, 
it was like always scared to be around grandpa that I might do something wrong. There was just this respect of him that, you know, because he was a very disciplinarian and grandma was a Nazarene preacher. And back then, you know, the Nazarenes uh, didn't, uh, they were very strict, very holiness and all that. And I remember once uh, dad and a friend were play smoking in the back of their barn. You remember smoke, hearing the story? Hearing the story, you know, smoking these cigarettes made out of Montgomery Ward catalogs and corn silks. <laughs> and grandpa found it. And after he kind of beat the tar out of my dad, the one thing my dad liked to do is swim. And he wouldn't let him swim the whole summer. That was his punishment. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was pretty severe. But do you think dad play smoked anymore? Uh, no. No. Uh, that was a little too severe, though. Yeah. I mean, even the way I was raised was severe. And if you, and if you beat out of anger, anger can rise within you. Because mm-hmm. when we always discipline our child, you know, if we were really upset about something, we'd wait, cool down, you know, and then say, we don't like to have to do this, but we, we have to do this just for you to know that this is correction, but we do this in love and not out of hate, mm-hmm. and we don't do it in anger. Yeah. And I think that made a big difference. It makes a big difference in children, how you raise them. It's huge. Very huge. It's huge. And and I think we have to recognize, and parents have to recognize, that a child gets their opinion of God, the Father, based on the behavior of their natural father. Mm-hmm. So the ones of us that had a father that was a strict disciplinarian sees God as some angry old man in the sky, you know, with a long beard and, and, you know, don't anger God. He might hit you with a thunderbolt. Yeah. (laughs) Someone who had a father who was weak and didn't discipline or, or didn't stand up for them when something happened that shouldn't have happened to them. You know, that person is going to grow up with an opinion of God that he's far off and he's not involved with your life and he's not going to stand up for you. Yeah, We have to get our understanding of what a father is supposed to be from the Word of God so that that father can help their children to get the right opinion of God. Yeah. You know, when, when I was uh, growing up, of course, Dad was very strict. And when I was 19, married, totally out of the will of God, I think it was mostly get out of the house. Mm-hmm. And that's a mindset. You know, don't ever do it. <laughs> right. It doesn't work. You know, and uh, after... After so many years, I was 26 then when I came back to the Lord, and I had moved down to where we're at here in Arkansas. You know, I joined the ministry here, and it's like my dad was a totally different person. Mm-hmm. He had this sense of humor that was just, and he always kind of had it, but I never saw that because when the discipline overrules the good, the bad overrules the good, mm-hmm. you grow up with a wrong opinion. You know? Right. And I remember once as... Um, you know, we like to play with matches and stuff. You know, it was always, <laughs> fire was always a, a thing, you know, and firecrackers, bottle rockets, stuff like that. And I would find these old flares sometimes by the railroad tracks and sometimes going to my aunt and uncles, you know, I'd go through Blue Island, Illinois. It had the Illinois Central Electric Train and the Rock Island lines. And that's, it was the end of the line for the Illinois Central, the suburban line. And uh, so there's plenty of train tracks, and I'd walk along the Rock Island tracks. I had to wait for the train, and I'd find these old flares. You know, we took them home, and and I made these flare bombs, you know, out of the flare. Oh, my. Put stuff in, and they burn. 
you know, and they'd only last for about two or three minutes is all it was, you know. And we got this bright idea, me and a friend of mine, that we're going to stop a train, oh, you know, no. that <laughs> ran through our the Rock Island that ran to about a half a mile from our house. So we're up on the tracks, you know, and it was probably about five or six o'clock summer, and we stopped the Joliet Express. Oh, it was the nonstop no. uh, Joliet, you know, and and so we, you know, we went on down all that. And we went to the Dairy Queen, which is nearby, and and we had this bag, and we were looking suspicion, and there was a police car there. Uh oh. And it says, what's in the bag? And we had our matches and stuff. Thank God we didn't have any of the flares. They were gone. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, we're more sheepishly. And he says, I think I need to take you to your parents. I thought, oh, no. You know, and, <laughs> and we go to my friend's house first, you know, goes to the door with him. And as soon as he's in the doorway, starts beating the daylights out of out of my friend. I thought, oh, man, what's going to happen to me? You know, and we get home and uh, we get out of the police car and go up there and, and uh, it was my brother was home, and I think it was my grandma, and not my other grandma, my real not so strict grandma. <laughs> you know, and they said oh, they had these found all these matches and stuff on me, you know, and and I go up to my room and I thought I'm in big trouble because when they tell my dad I'm going to get the whipping of my life, you know, and the next morning you know, I get out to come down to breakfast and I was scared. And didn't even want to come to breakfast, did you? I didn't want to come to breakfast. And uh, nobody said a word. Hallelujah. You know, they didn't. <laughs> my brother and grandma didn't say a word to my parents. So did I ever do that again? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we learn things. That's how we learn, yes. <laughs> but, you know, there, there, are, there are also situations where children are in homes that don't have any Christian influence. And, you know, maybe, maybe a child gets saved and their parents are not saved, but the parents might have some kind of a terrible background that that they were abused and maybe they're drinking and doing drugs and things like that. And they're offering it to their kids. And the, the kids have to know to say no, that you don't have to obey your parents when they're, the thing they're asking you to do isn't in the Lord. Uh, you know, I've I've heard some horror stories, like uh, yeah. a young girl that her dad was offering her to other men to to sexually abuse, and it's like, no, no, this is wrong, this is wrong, and I think we need to instruct children that when you're being asked to do something that's wrong, you can stand up and say no, and ask the Lord to help you. And sent his angels to help you so that, you know, that, you, that the abuse isn't worse because of your rebellion. But that's not, kind of, that's not the kind of rebellion that is like witchcraft. That's the kind of rebellion that is standing up for what is right. It's like in a Hindu or in a Muslim <clears throat> environment. Yes. If the child gets saved, has a visitation. Right. And when you get saved, when you, you receive Jesus in your heart, it could cost you your life. Yeah. Yeah, in one of true. these countries, you, as a teenager, you could you could be put out yeah. of the house. You could get beat, put out. You could be killed, mm -hmm. and that is typical in a Muslim nation. Yeah, I, I as we were discussing this before we started the podcast, I was reminded of the scripture in Second Kings chapter five, where Naaman, the captain of the host of Syria, comes to Israel to find healing. And uh, Elisha tells him to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. And, of course, he objects to that, but finally does it. 
And he's so happy and he, he's brought this great gift to give. And Elisha says, no, no, I don't, I don't want anything for this. You, you just keep it. But then he says, Naaman says, please let me take two donkey loads of earth from your land back with me because I am never going to worship anyone but the God of Israel. I'm, I'm not going to worship anybody but Jehovah. And please, verse 18 says, in this thing, Jehovah, pardon your servant, that when my master, who is the king, when my master goes into the house of Ramon to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Ramon. When I bow myself in the house of Ramon, the Lord pardon your servant in this thing. In other words, I'm going to bow there because of my position, because of who I am as the captain of the host and the king is leaning on me. I have to go into this idolatrous house and I have to bow. But Lord, please forgive me because I'm not really worshiping. Mm -hmm. I'm only worshiping you. And I think that's that's a, a, a piece of advice for those who are Hindus and, and uh, Muslims. So if a, if a Muslim child is taken into the, they're taken to the mosque and everybody's bowing to, to that false deity, Allah. One of the prayers that they pray, though, is to the creator. Mm -hmm. And we know that the creator is the God of Abraham, who, who isn't, his name isn't Allah. His name is Jehovah. And they can actually go into that mosque and worship Jehovah from their hearts and not that other false deity that is the, the moon god. They can honor their parents in that way and still honor God. And I, mm -hmm. I'm not trying to create a compromise situation here, but I'm trying to declare that there, there is a kind of like a loophole, you might say. And there will come a time when you have to stand and you have to say, I'm not worshiping that mm -hmm. deity anymore. I am worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I remember the story of this young girl in Nazareth who was saved. She came from a Muslim background. And when her father found out that she had forsaken Allah, you know, she was a teenager, I think, he said, you leave my house. Now, he could have killed her. There's a lot of honor killings mm -hmm. in, in, that, in that culture because they feel like they, that you have dishonored them by mm -hmm. rejecting their God. Yeah. But he made her leave behind everything that he had given her, including her clothes. So he threw her out of the house naked. And she was so ashamed. And all she could do was run to her friend who had led her to the Lord. And, you know, she, of course, she took her in and gave her clothes and, and took care of her. And the next day, there was talk in the, in the little town of who was that young woman who ran through our town wearing a beautiful white wedding dress. Wow. Yeah. Wow. God sees, her. he clothed wow. her in his glory because she honored him yes. above her own parents. There comes a time when you have to draw that line. So the same thing applies going on with, with the rest of, the, of the, this section of the scripture, um, goes on to talk about servants. It, it's the same principle. And now in that culture, Paul was referring to not just servants like we might con consider a butler or a maid. 
he was talking about slaves. Slaves, be obedient to your masters. Servants, slaves. I'm, I'm reading from the Amplified with verse 5. Servants, slaves, be obedient to those who are your physical masters, having respect for them and eager concern to please them in singleness of motive and with all your heart as service to Christ himself. Not in the way of eye service, as if they were watching you, and only to please men, but as servants or slaves of Christ, doing the will of God heartily and with your whole soul, rendering service readily with goodwill as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that for whatever good anyone does, he will receive his reward from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. And it goes on to talk about the masters in the same way that it talks about fathers. You masters act on the same principle toward them and give up threatening and using violent and abusive words, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no respect of persons, no partiality with him. How does it read in the Passion? Those who are employed should listen to their employers and obey their instructions with great respect and honor. Serve them with humility in your hearts as though you were working for the master. Always do what is right, and not only when others are watching so that you may please Christ as his servants by doing his will. Serve your employers wholeheartedly and with love, as though you were serving Christ and not men. Be assured that anything you do that is beautiful and excellent will be repaid by our Lord, whether you are an employee or an employer. And to the caretakers of the flock, I say, do what is right with your people by forgiving them when they offend you. <laughs> For you know there is a master in heaven that shows no favoritism. Is there a footnote on that? I think you read me a footnote earlier. Yeah. Yeah, the footnote here is, as translated literally from the Aramaic, the caretakers of the flock can refer to both leadership in the church and in the workplace. The Greek text states masters. Yeah. So basically, whether we're talking about children and parents or whether we're talking about employees and employers, uh, hopefully we're not in situations where, where it's slaves and masters, that we have this eye for service to the Lord, that we're honoring the Lord by honoring these people that are in our lives. Mm -hmm. in, in our last podcast, we were talking about the tender devotion that is between a husband and a wife. And it's the same kind of principle going on to other relationships, that it's about doing things as unto the Lord, that our attitudes be that these things that we're doing in this physical earthly realm are being recorded in the heavenly realm, and that our purpose here on earth is is to pray in and contend for that part of the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if we have that on earth as it is in heaven mindset, mm -hmm. then whether we're talking about children and parents or whether we're talking about employees and employers, we have this idea that we're doing everything as to the Lord. We're doing it for the Lord. We're doing it to please him. We're acting toward these people that are in our lives as acting towards the Lord. I remember Papa Dorn used to say, be nice to Jesus. 
because if Jesus is living inside of me and Jesus is living inside my husband and Jesus is living inside my child and Jesus is living inside my employer or Jesus is living inside my employee, I'm going to treat them the same way that I want to treat Jesus with tender devotion. It's like do unto others as you have them do unto you. Yeah. 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 Would you want to hear some wisdom out of Proverbs? Oh, absolutely, because this this child father thing is so strong, so important. This is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 8 in the Passion. My child, if you truly want a long and satisfying life, never forget the things that I've taught you. Follow closely every truth that I've given you. Then you will have a full, rewarding life. Hold on to loyal love and don't let go and be faithful to all that you've been taught. Let your life be shaped by integrity, with truth written upon your heart. That's how you will find favor and understanding with both God and men. You will gain the reputation of living life well. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. Yeah. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. Mm-hmm. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find the healing refreshment your body and spirit long for. Beautiful. That beautiful? Beautiful. So what, what this is really saying is the same thing, that if you want to have a successful life, and who doesn't, mm-hmm. put God first and listen to the to the wisdom that comes from your parents and from your elders and from your employers. There are people who are speaking into your life. Pay attention and honor them. Give them the respect of listening and paying attention and doing. Is there another one? Yeah, this is in Proverbs chapter 4. We'll go through verse 4 and 9. Then my father taught me, saying, so his father is David. Mm -hmm. This is Solomon's words. Solomon's words. So you say, talking about David. Then my father taught me, saying, never forget my words. If you do everything that I teach you, you will reign in life. So make wisdom your quest. Search for the revelation of life's meaning. Don't let what I say go in one ear and out the (laughs) other. Yeah. Stick with wisdom and she will stick to you. Protecting you throughout your days, she will rescue all those who passionately listen to her voice. Wisdom is the most valuable commodity, so buy it. Revelation knowledge is what you need, so invest in it. Wisdom will exalt you when you exalt her truth. She will lead you to honor and favor when you live your life by her insights. You will be adorned with beauty and grace and wisdom's glory will wrap itself around you, making you victorious in the race. Beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? That is tremendous. Yeah, that's beautiful. Wow. So whether we're in a position, and all of us have times when we're in each one of these positions, whether we're in a position of a child, whether we're in a position of a parent. You know, at 62 and my dad at 92, I'm still his child. And at 62 and at 33, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the mother and, and my daughter's the, the child. You know, there's relationships where, where we are in one position or another, 
whether it's employer or employee. Follow wisdom. This is the equipping that will help us to be successful in all that God has given us to do and be in our destiny as he is about to pour out his spirit on all flesh. He wants to use us. He wants to equip us with this wisdom for knowing how to treat one another, for knowing how to behave toward one another, for knowing how to honor one another as honoring him. Amen. Hallelujah. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence.